Welcome to another sort of Campus Life episode here at Campus DeCanton. Uh, as we mentioned last week, we're doing conference previews here for the next five weeks, so no Canton bound. As always, though, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We have a very special guest here uh, for our cram session here tonight. If you guys missed last week's show, basically the next five to six weeks, what we're doing, each episode breaking down a conference, every single team in there. Uh, but we're also going to have a guest on each week that's just going to answer three simple questions for us. A player that stock will go up, that will go down, and then a hot take for the year. And tonight we have Campus to Canton's own Chris Moxley, the Hawaiian shirt-wearing guy himself. And he does have one on here tonight. I can confirm. Uh, and it's, it's a good one, It's got flamingos on it. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice so welcome one. in, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for joining us here tonight for a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been trying to get on this this show for a while so i don't know how i finagled it but i uh i finally ended up in the in the live stream so i'm happy to be here i truly didn't realize that you'd never been on this show <laughs> you said that before we hopped on here i was like oh okay i, I guess uh i guess we, and so then we were trying to decide like the illustrious group of people that have been on campus life and can't bound and now now you join it's like the what is it like the people that have hosted snl five times yeah that that's basically it. it's like you, Matt, and Felix, right? I think that's it. Yep. Yeah, it's a very exclusive club. Yes. Yes. So you are you are basically the uh, who's hosted SNL five times. I'm trying to think of somebody quick. Tom Hanks. Uh, Timberlake. No, nah, I don't think he's hosted it five times. I think he maybe he's Has at he? four. He's hosted it. Again. Natalie Portman. Uh, well, I know, Steve uh, Martin. I was gonna say Steve. No, Martin. We're, just throwing, we're just throwing out random. <laughs> Steve Martin feels like cheating, but yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's, I think he's done yes. like ten times at this point. Yeah, Bill um, Murray. I don't know. I don't know. He's been... someone fact. Someone send us the list of all the people that have done it so that we can be done with this madness. Um. So yeah, Chris, thanks for coming on tonight. You are going to be uh, you know taking part in this cram session with us. Do you feel like you prepared for it? It's a cram session for a reason. So as much as I could cram in, yes. We're going to figure it out as we go. Awesome. All right. So again, for anybody who did not listen last week or, or didn't listen at all to any of these last year, three questions for you, Chris. A player that you think is going to help their stock the most this year, one that's going to hurt their stock the most this year, and then a bold prediction, and then we kick you to the curve. So let's start with the player that will help their stock the most this year. Uh, who, who do you have? I like Cade Klubnick. Uh, he's the quarterback at Clemson. I think that there are legitimate questions about the role that DJU will play in this offense. You know, he really struggled last year. I think everyone is aware of that. Klubnick is one of the more like startable quarterbacks in this class. I think that he has been uh, fairly excellent on the recruiting trail at camps. Like he won the elite 11. I think he, his arm was the big question, but I didn't think his decision-making was, I think he's a player that can step in. If DJU does struggle again in 2022 and really improve his stock. And he's a guy, I mean, I have in, in our rankings top six. So, I, I mean, I'm high on him already, but I think he's a player who will drastically improve his stock overall. And do you think that he's a, candidate to be like a first round NFL type draft pick. I, so a lot of people seem to be more down on him than I am, but uh, you know, I, I ran this data a couple months ago. Um, you know, I have an updated for the 2022 draft. So 
you know, sue me. But over the last 10 years, uh, 50% of five-star quarterbacks have gone uh, day one or two, and like 40% have gone day one. It's not a bad bet to make, the saying, okay, five-star Kate Klubnik is a player that we think can go round one. I mean, I, I know people are a little bit lower on him. Um, I really like him. I think that he's shown a lot more, um, especially it, like live. Like people rave about him live. We, we, we've we talked to Alan True on a bunch of different platforms. He's a guy who, who has said like, Kate Klubnik is different live. He won the Elite 11. Like I, 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 I'm really excited to watch him at Clemson, I do think he has first-round talent. I like it. I like it. All right. Um, well, on the other side of that coin, um, who's one player that you believe will hurt their stock the most this year? Give me Rasheen Ali. Um, I just think he vaulted way too high in C2C drafts. Um, you know, he's a guy that I, like, not to brag, but, like, I was one of the earlier people on maybe like I, I, I was really excited about him early, but for CFF purposes, like I didn't think that he was a C2, like a crazy Debbie asset. Um, Noah Hills did an excellent job on one of our, um, our, our shows on the Cam Scan uh, podcast network. And he, he broke down kind of how he is as a receiver. Like he caught a bunch of passes last year, but he wasn't catching passes that indicate um, like that he's a quality receiver, more just like a volume play. So he wasn't getting downfield. He wasn't running diverse route trees. He wasn't doing what you would expect for a player who has like 40 receptions upside, uh, you know, in a year. And so I think the community has gotten way too ahead on Rasheen Ali. And I think some people necessarily don't necessarily realize that he missed a year. Um, between high school and his freshman year, like there's a year, I don't want to say unaccounted for, but like he's going to be older than I think people realize. And he's a player that I'm, I just like, I can't justify it at cost currently. He's going way too high for me. I think he's going basically borderline, depending on draft career, and he's probably going between like the fifth and the seventh round. That's pretty high. Yeah. For a guy that probably doesn't have the NFL upside. um... No. I'm with you on that. I don't I don't necessarily get that. All right. Well, then bring us home, Chris. Um, you gave us Cade Klubnik, a guy who's in our top 10 quarterbacks, as we just established, is <laughs> the guy that's going to help us talk the most this year. Uh, you give us Rasheen Ali, who you just wrote an article about major TD regression this year coming. So you're you're playing the hits. I'm not going to give you too much crap, but this, this, this bull prediction needs to be extra spicy here. So be, give us the flames. Come on here. All right. So this is more of a college football prediction. That's fine. I picked Utah was going to go undefeated, so like it wasn't a it wasn't a fantasy uh, prediction by any stretch. North Carolina State ends up in the playoffs. Ooh. Okay. Undefeated I think, ACC champ. Um, I, they could lose a game, but I mean, a, a one loss ACC champ gets to the playoff regardless. They have a really nice schedule. And I think they're one of the better teams in the ACC. I think their biggest competition is Clemson. They obviously have the game against North Carolina. Um, I think, you know, I, I have picked them to win the ACC. I think that they are the best all-around team in the ACC. I think Clemson clearly has the best defense. I think that uh, Devin Leary it, and, um, you know, he's two really good wide receivers despite Emeka Mezzi leaving. 
I think Devin Carter is a quality player. I think Thayer Thomas is a quality player. Porter Rooks has upside. We he he impressed in spring. You know, he's been a popular Debbie name for a while. But I really like NC State this year. I think that they can win the ACC. And if they win the ACC as like a you know 12 and 1 team, I think they're playoff bound. So I like what they can do. And they return a lot of production on defense as well. And you know, I think their defense is going to be one of the better. Um, Dave Doran plays a pretty conservative style, and I think that works in the ACC. I don't, it's not going to work in the playoffs, but it works in the ACC. So I, NC State making the playoff is my boldest prediction I got for you. So I I didn't quite catch if you if this is the point you said when you, we were talking about Clemson. They have to beat Clemson for that to be a possibility, though, right? Because I mean, yes. I'm looking. I have the rest of their schedule up in front of me here, like the UNC. That could go either way. Wake Forest, you know, maybe they'll be ranked in the low 20s or something when that game comes around. And then the rest of the schedule is bad. Like It, it is not a strong schedule. They don't play Miami this year. They don't play Pitt. Like nope. They avoid most of the other really big heavy hitters there in the ACC. So you got to figure, yeah, the loss the loss can't go to Clemson or else that, that's, a, that's a tough sell, I think. Yeah, so they beat Clemson last year in overtime. Um, you know, Clemson really struggled. Uh, it was one of, uh, I think it was one of, Bo Collins breakout games where he, he, he was really impressive against NC state, but regardless they beat him last year. I think they might have their number. I don't think Clemson's really returning anything different. I don't think we're going to see a different scheme from them this year. I, I really think that if they beat Clemson, I, I mean, I think I feel really good about it. I think, but if they lose to Clemson, you know, they're in, it, it's a tough sell, even if they go, 11 and one because they won't have the opportunity to win the uh playoff or the the ac championship and so i don't know but i think they can beat clemson i think they can win at least 11 games in the acc give me the wolf pack and give me the local wolf pack in the uh in the playoff i'm really excited about devin leary and what this offense offense can do i like that a lot um I mean, they one of the underrated things there, and one of the things you, you hadn't mentioned, but I know you talked about in the CFF guide. They bring back four or five offensive star, linemen um, starters. So yeah, they yeah. lose Icky, um, you know, who was a top what ten pick, I think. Um, he went six so, or seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. An elite offensive tackle. Yeah, they lo- they lose an elite offensive tackle, but they bring back the other four. And I think that's something that you're going to need is offensive line continuity. If you're going to go toe to toe with Clemson. And they have. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's going to be tough to ask the returning dudes to block like Brian Brees, Miles Murphy. Like those, those are, those are tough matchups, but like, this is, this is a unit that's been together for a while. And I I think that's a good, that's a good call. Um, And their defense, I mean, they can play, they can, they can shut down DJU. So I, I, I am very tentatively excited for the Wolfpack. I like that you said DJU there, even though that's like the sixth game on the schedule. But Kate Klubnick is your uh your your <laughs> stock up guy. Make it make sense, Chris. Make it make sense. I we we previously had a show a little earlier tonight. You can also listen to the campus getting feed where I hyped up both Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson at Alabama. So I'm yes. I'm just I'm feeling I'm feeling the duality tonight. Both sides of your mouth are really getting a good workout tonight. All right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, thanks again for hopping on here with us tonight at Chris Moxley19 on Twitter. You can find 
everything that he does over at Campus Canton, and we are very lucky for that. Chris, enjoy the rest of your evening here, man, and um, hopefully we'll get you on again sooner than this this first wait took you. And maybe for a full episode, too. Yes, maybe. Ooh, man. Yeah, yeah. Don't make promises you can't keep. You're not going to be able to sleep tonight now. Sorry, we didn't. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just all, I'm all jittery now. Thanks thanks for having me. I, I love talking uh, C2C with y'all, but uh, catch y'all later. Have a good night, Chris. Later. All right, Colin. With that out of the way here, um, we're going to hop right into the ACC. Um, nice transition, too. Thank you, yeah. Chris. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Um, talk so much ACC there for us. What a guy. Um, I guess first, first let, let, let's do the uh, the fantasy points. You know, we are part of the fantasy points media group, guys. If you haven't checked them out, everything in one place on Twitter at fantasy points live. At this point, there's like a show for everything, every like niche, every language, like everything you could possibly want. So go ahead, check all of those out, guys, and check out um, some of the new uh, college football content they've got going over there. Colin, you were just on a show with them yesterday talking conference realignment with uh, with Wes Huber and then Josh. Uh, Chevalier? Yeah, so it's 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 like a foreign-looking last name, but I don't know if he's they've Americanized the, the pronunciation yet, so I always am so hesitant. At CFF, guys. Everybody knows him as, as that, I'm sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the CFF space, you know uh, at CFF guys. Um, I mean, and him and Wes were such a pleasure to talk to. It was such a great show. Um, very knowledgeable guys. We talked conference realignment, Big Ten, SEC, everything that's going on with there. So uh, definitely go check that one out, too. That's uh, on their YouTube page. And spoiler alert, they're doing a part two. The other half of the C2C pod might be on that one. So um, who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say? That's just a rumor. Um, all right, Colin. Yeah, so ACC, we talked again AAC last week. So if you want to hear anything about Navy, uh, go ahead and check that one out. Probably the uh, most in-depth dive you'll hear on Navy. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, <laughs> on to ACC, though. Again, guys, so we're just doing, you know, asking some questions at important positions and the kind of, the, you know, who we want to roster on each of these teams. We're going in alphabetical order. So there's, you know, we're not... Boston College is first. This is not us saying that Boston College is going to win the ACC. Uh, in fact, I would probably bet a lot of money on the opposite. Um, quarterback. We don't really have a question here. It's going to be Phil Jerkovic coming back. Uh, he had the injury last year. Probably came back too quick. Uh, didn't look very good when he came back, I think. And a lot of that was due to the rushing him back there uh, when they had nothing to play for. It was one of the most baffling coaching decisions of the season. I digress. The question isn't who's their starting quarterback or should somebody in your league be rostering Phil Jerkovic? I think the question is is for Phil. Can he take that final step this year and become a legitimate Debbie asset? Because right now, Colin, I have questions. Yeah, I have questions as well. Um, I, that, Like you said, that, there's not really a question of whether he's going to produce this year. It's, you know, how does the NFL view him? And I have heard him bandied about a little bit as – you know, one of the seven different quarterbacks that people have going in the first round. Seven. Um, wow. You haven't read many, <laughs> as many articles. <laughs> um, I, I don't see it with him right now. Um, I just, I, I don't think he plays as well inside a structure. I think he has some things to, to clean up a little bit mechanically. I mean, he's got some really nice tools, but he's going to have to take a big step this year. And even then, I'm not entirely sure we see him as a first round QB. Now, I could absolutely see him going, you know, 
mid to mid to early day two. You know, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think he will have to clean up a little bit to get to that point as well. But I think that is much more within his range of outcomes than a first round uh, quarterback. The the first round stuff kind of confuses me a little bit with him because I, I think, you know, the, the guys that generally get that kind of hype are just supreme dual threat kind of guys who are like, wow, if they just kind of can put this together a little bit more, like they have all these tools to be, you know, a, a huge upside fantasy guy for us fantasy nerds and for the NFL obviously keeps defenses, uh, you know, a little off, off balance. Um, or they've just done it for a bunch of years. Like you're going to have multiple years of CJ Stroud crushing it. You're going to have multiple years of Bryce Young crushing it. Like in general, these are the kind of guys that go first round. Kenny Pickett be damned. Um, he, Jerkovic doesn't have these things in my opinion though. Like I've never watched him and been like, you know, wow, this guy just has like the biggest arm out there or like he's a huge rushing guy. Like he ran for 350 yards last year. And that's like sacks taken out of it, the number on, on PFF there. Um, and he ran for 322 the year before that. Like, th- that's about the range. He, like, So there's not going to be a lot of projecting him to, to do anything with his legs in the NFL. His arm is fine. It's not special. He's a bigger guy at 6'5", 214. Like, I, I, I don't really see anything there. I think he is much more of like a late day two guy. But th- the thing with him is, though, is that like, again, because he doesn't have these tools – Will he even get drafted as like a developmental guy there? Or will he just be a kind of guy the NFL is like, this guy's going to carry a clipboard for the next, you know, three to 10 years. We'll take him day three because he probably doesn't have anything more than that. That's kind of where I see Jerkovic trending this year. And at Boston College isn't going to be great. They have Zay Flowers. And then we'll talk about some of these other guys here, but and then not a lot else there. I mean, I just, I have a really hard time seeing anything happen this year that would make me say, Write it down. First, first round guy. You know, uh, this is the kind of guy that I need to be targeting this offseason. Yeah, I, I think he's. I, I think he hit the nail on the head there. Probably a long term NFL backup, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks that don't have that, but yeah, I think uh, the, the the round one talk with him is uh, putting the cart before the horse. And the. Um... The tough part with him is that I don't think he's like an overwhelmingly strong college producer. And he's probably only going to, he's probably coming out next year. Um, spoiler, I do know somebody who is like family friends with the Jerkovics. Um, oh. So his intention was to come out last year until the injury. I really doubt he goes back again this year. That um, is, that's news to me. We have never talked about that. You're welcome. Breaking, breaking insider news here on Campus Canton Pod. This is what keeps the people coming back. Um, that and my just absolute disdain for you. Um yeah. <laughs> Those are the two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So I, I think we've we've talked enough about Jerkovic here. The running back situation is interesting. Garwo was the guy last year, Pat Garwo. Uh, he's probably going to be the guy again this year. There is some other talent there. New offensive coordinator. He's been a run-heavy guy. Um, so like Garwo is a sneaky option, but I don't I don't know that there's like, you know, RB1 or even like high-end RB2 upside for him in terms of like CFF production. I, that That's just the vibe I get. This Boston College, there's so many guys in this team that are just like, yeah, but, and Garwo is definitely one of those. Yeah, I think Garwo's production from last year really came from the poor QB play. There was really the only thing that they could do to keep the offense moving. Now, granted, he did perform well behind a pretty poor 
offensive line. I mean, they were 110th in the country last year in line yards. Um, out of how many? Out of 131. Oh, so that's bad. Okay. Yeah, it's not particularly okay. good. Um, which, <laughs> you know, the, you know, and I'm getting a, a lot of this from um, our CFF guide written by, this part was written by Chris Moxley. Uh, uh, but what a guy. Yeah, they uh, they are replacing four or five starters. Their offensive line coach got fired. So that could improve a little bit, which could help improve his efficiency, even if you see the decrease in volume. But I do think he's getting, you know, a little bit more CFF hype than I'm willing to uh, to predict. And just to give people an idea, like so he had. He never really played a ton of snaps. They rotated him pretty heavily, but when he was in the game, he was probably getting the ball. Like there, so I'm looking at his game logs, like literally five snaps, four attempts, week one, 17 and 15, 19 and 17, 27, 25. Like if Garwa was on the field, it was a pretty good bet that they were running the ball. And his big games, Mizzou who like I forgot about this until Chris reminded yeah. me of today. So during the season for again for any new listeners who who weren't with us last year, uh every week on campus life we do like a huge start sit segment and we compete against each other and it's like kind of sleeperish guys that you mm-hmm. want to talk about and we literally had to make a rule like 3 weeks into the season that you couldn't talk about the running back going against Missouri because they were just getting absolutely gashed every week. He had 175 and 2 against Missouri. And then his only really other big games were 30 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown against Virginia Tech. Kind of gross efficiency-wise. And then he followed that week up with 24 for 104 and zero touchdowns against Georgia Tech. Like, there was never a huge breakout game for him. And the volume, just like, I, 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 I'm I, not, like, he went over 30 touches, like, or went over 25 touches, like, twice. Like, it's not like he was getting the Isaiah Bowser 500 carries a game treatment. Yeah, that's a good point too there. So uh, he's not somebody, I'm not necessarily like off of him, but I'm definitely fading him. Yeah. um, He he just like, I I don't see the upside there. You know what I mean? Like if I'm trying to take a CFF running back, either I'm going to take a guy that I know has done it before or a guy that I think has the upside to do it. And he just doesn't really have either of those things for me. Uh, Wide receiver, it's basically Zay Flowers and then a bunch of bodies. And that's okay. Um, How do you you feel about Zay Flowers? I like Zay Flowers a lot more as a CFF producer this year with Jerkovic back. I mean, yes, he just definitely disappointed last year, but pretty poor QB play. Um, If you're talking more on the Debbie side of things, I think he's a little bit small i think he's a little bit limited in what he will be able to do at the next level um but i think he can he will definitely have a role and i think he can perform that role well so i I can see him being a I, i think he's more of an early day three than a late day two guy but i think that's right around his his range end of the third beginning of the fourth yeah he's got an odd skill set i've comped him a lot to deami brown that's like one of my favorite comps that I've, that I've come up with this off season that feels pretty accurate, you know, guys that don't play particularly physically, they probably have some slot boundary versatility, but seems like they're more, they're more boundary guys at this stage, or at least have been so far in college. Diami, I think really kind of struggled with the physicality of the NFL year one. So I, the jury's not out on him, although I'm certainly skeptical. And I wonder if Zay Flowers is going to kind of have uh, the same thing happen to him. 
Um, last name that I guess is really worth talking about. I feel bad. Sorry, everybody else on this team um, is the tight end situation. You know, their new uh, offense coordinator is Notre Dame's uh, was previously with Notre Dame as their tight end coach. Like you got to figure uh, <clears throat> he's might, there might be something to play there. Um, Trey Barry gone. George tactics, I think is how you say it. I'm so sorry if it's wrong. T a K a C S. Um, you know, a bigger bodied guy. Um, also I believe transferred from Notre Dame. Um, so, um, I, I don't know if he's worth a stash. Cause again, like is the upside there for a huge finish? I, I honestly don't know. He hasn't been a name that I've been focusing in on, but as we talked a little bit about last week, I basically have a pool of like five names at tight end every off season. And I just try to snag like a handful of those. And I really kind of ignore the rest of them. So maybe I'm messing up. Maybe he's a guy that I should be looking at. Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely a guy you should be looking at. Uh, he's definitely a guy that I've been looking at. I mean, first of all, he was a four-star prospect, you know, recruited to Notre Dame, which is a tight end factory there. Uh, he comes to Boston College, like you said, following his tight end coach, who is now the OC there. So I feel pretty good in predicting that he's going to have a role in this offense. Um, you know, and like you said, the in terms of receiving – it's really Zay Flowers. Jalen Gill is okay. He's a fine complimentary piece, but I think George Tackett can really be this number two option in this passing offense. Um, you know, and he's he's a big guy, 6'6, 245. So, you know, he can be a red zone guy that, you know, Zay Flowers probably can't. I think there's definitely some touchdown upside there. And this dude's basically free. Like, I have not heard anybody talking about this guy you know, in terms of CFF, I mean, I, you know, I think I might be the only person who has him ranked at, uh, in C2C rankings. I mean, I don't have any, I don't have him pulled up here to fact check that, but, um, I know there's a lot of people on our staff who, you know, Felix would say we're making up names. That is always his response. Uh, in fairness, I've also, I also do say never heard of them. Um, famously Jalen Hyatt doesn't exist. Um, I think that's it for Boston College. Um, and we're in for a really long show if we just spent that much time in Boston College. Yeah. Uh, so buckle up, everybody. Uh, it's eleven forty-one p.m. Eastern here as we're recording this. <laughs> uh, just kill me. Uh, Clemson, second team on the list here. Um, I think everyone by now, like we've talked a lot about them on the show. I think everyone kind of knows the deal at Clemson, and the deal is that we don't actually know the deal at Clemson. You've got. <laughs> DJU, DJU Angalele, who's trying to rebound from a really bad second year. He was, by a lot of metrics, a bottom 10, 15, 20 quarterback in all of FBS. He was very, very bad. Uh, and it didn't look great in the spring game either, even though I've been reminded 11 billion times by Clemson fans that they had the offensive line split and he was missing some of the receivers. I mean, it didn't fix the issues. Um, Club Nick takes over this job. Chris seems to think so. Do we think so? We've talked a lot about this before. I think our answer was probably if DJU plays like he did last year. Yeah. I mean, Clemson is a team that annually has, you know, C uh, CFB playoff hopes. You know, they, they want to be there every year. And their schedule early enough in the year is easy enough that we can see DJU lasting and just being just good enough to hold him off but once they start to get into some of the tougher matchups you know unc nc state 
um, Wake Forest, some of those other teams that, you know, could give them a little bit of trouble. And if DJU is is not getting it done offensively, um, Dabo is not afraid to give somebody the hook. You know, we've seen it before. He's not afraid to start a true freshman. So I absolutely think Kate Klubnick could start some games by the end of the year here. Um, and we're seeing a new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, old OC Tony Elliott is off to Virginia to be the head coach there. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that we're seeing a new offensive coordinator here, given the struggles that we saw from this offense as a whole last year. Um, so if and when Kate Klubnick does take over, I think it could be a better situation than it was last year. Yeah, I am really interested to to see if he can actually uh, make one of these wide receivers like truly, truly fantasy relevant. You know, I'm flipping through our lovely CFF guide. Uh, if you have not purchased it yet, it will be the best $20 you spend all year. Um, like we don't really have the Clemson wide receivers ranked particularly highly in this. Um, in fact, like I'm flipping the whole way through it and I still haven't come to one yet. Um, so I'm trying to see where our highest rated Clemson wide receiver is. We might not have one in here. We might not. Uh, Bo Collins is a 68 as our top rated. Like that's almost that's nice. that's fantasy relevant, but also not fantasy relevant. If you're like shooting for something a little more than that, um, does Kate Klubnick, if if he does come in and take that job, like a freshman Klubnick, does he make somebody actually fantasy relevant there? Like I just we're gonna talk about the whole wide receiver group in a minute, but I still I still just have a hard time believing that any of these guys really outside of Collins, who has legit Devi upside, like. I don't know what I want to do with any of them. The freshmen. I'll stash some freshmen. Yeah. Um, Bo Collins, not Dakari Collins, because they do have two Collins on there. Correct. Um, Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that even with – even if Kate Klubnick takes over, I, as a freshman, I struggle to see him – I see him struggling to make a wide receiver fantasy relevant. Now, that could be a different story as we're entering 2023 – because I do think he's the type of quarterback that can sustain some fantasy relevance there. So I think, you know, Bo Collins, we like his Debbie potential. Uh, he came on really strong at the end of the year last year. Joe Nada is there. And, you know, if he can ever stay healthy, he's got some upside, but he just really hasn't been able to put it together ever. Um, EJ Williams is a guy who looked good at the end of his freshman year was banged up last year and then got jumped on the depth chart by Collins, but he's intriguing. Takari Collins, Adam Randall is a guy who, you know, tore the ACL early in the offseason. Sounds like he might be able to make it back by like mid-year this year. Um, so he could have some uh, role potentially because he was drawing a lot of hype there. But those are all the same guy, basically. They're all like 6'4", 210", Big guys, I think if we're going to see Cade Klubnik make somebody truly consistently fantasy relevant, I think it's probably going to be somebody in that slot. And I'm hoping Brantonio Williams it does sound like Brand Brandon Specter is probably is, is expected to start there this year. But I think Antonio Williams is good, and just given Cade Klubnik's skill, Cade Klubnik's skill set. I think that that would be a 2023 
guy who would be CFF relevant. I don't know if I see any of the outside guys getting there. And just some of the the names that our CFF team has highlighted as potential wide receiver options, uh, Joe Ngata, Bo Collins, Brandon Spector, EJ Williams, and Dakari Collins. Those are kind of the five they have listed. Again, Randall, like you said, tore the ACL in the spring. He's a bit of a wild card. Can he come back? Um, the staff was really hyping him up. And Antonio Williams, who is one of my personal favorites, I don't remember exactly where you had him rated amongst the freshmen. I had him higher than Randall, but I know I might have been the only one on our team that. I think they were like back to back for me. They were very, very close. They they were back to back for me, but I had Williams one spot ahead of Randall. I just think he gives them, like you said, something they don't already have on the team. And he's like just fast. Like he's really fast. Um, I think he can be a really good special teams guy for them too. Um, So I I like the wide receiver group. I like, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's a lot of guys that like, if you told me two years from now that they were like a second round draft pick and we're doing okay in the NFL, I'd be like, okay. Um, but it also could be like a lot of guys that go like the sixth round and we never hear from them again. And like we said, it, it's the CFF production, at least this year, is probably looking unlikely for a lot of them. Running back, there's really only three names on the roster, like literally basically only three names on the roster. They have no depth. So if injuries happen, um, when we, we'll, we'll get DJU at running back and call, call Nick <laughs> a quarterback just to like run. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. I honestly don't. Um, Shipley is going to probably be the starter he was he took over the job last year uh finished the year pretty well um noah hills uh, just did a pretty good uh, hero rb show on him i believe he was the episode last week uh so go ahead and listen to that kobe pace phil moff are the other two guys i know a lot of people like Moffa. i'm fine on him like i don't really consider him a special talent or a guy that i'm outwardly acquiring and then pace is a guy there i mean all all three of them will get touches but I don't know if I want to roster any of them outside of Shipley, really. I mean, I guess the only thing you're hoping for is if you have one of them that Shipley gets hurt. I mean, you're not actually hoping for that, but like that's the scenario. Yeah, uh, I think it's just really going to be Shipley's show here. Um, I mean, he led the team last year, missed a couple games, and still was the leading rusher on the team. Yeah. I, you know, he is a weapon in the passing game as well great speed so he can take it to the house i like him as a Devi asset i like him i think i'm higher than him on him than anybody else at the site um because he looked better running in between the tackles last year i know the numbers don't necessarily reflect it from an analytics standpoint like when i was listening to noah hill's show you know his box count his box adjusted efficiency rating bay was definitely skewed more towards performing well against five and six man boxes, um, but pretty heavily. But I just, when I watched him, cause I wrote him up for the Debbie guide, he looked way better running between the tackles than I remember coming out of high school. My big concern with him coming out of high school was he just bounced everything outside and tried to out athlete everybody. And he could, he can't do that necessarily in college. So I'll be interested to see if he can continue to take a step forward between the tackles, but in terms of CFF production, I think he's going to have some really nice weeks there. The ACC, the defenses aren't particularly daunting. Um, so if there's a player you want to roster for CFF in this uh, from Clemson, it is most definitely Shipley. Um, <clears throat> I think that's that's all when you talk about for the running backs. Tight ends, I I run on the show sheet, Jake Brenning stole eat a burger challenge. Like the guy hasn't gained any weight from year one to year two. And the biggest problem I had with him last year was that he's a stick. He was like the highest rated tight end of the class. I'm not a fan. 
I think I have him rostered in one league and it's a, a very uh, weird format where we basically have two teams side by side simultaneously, like two C2C rosters in the same league and you can't have the same players on one team and the other and Brinks still fell really far. It's literally the only league I have Brinks still in. And that was a very convoluted <laughs> explanation. But yes, like I, I just, I don't think that he's athletic enough to be a really good move tight end. And I don't think he's physical or big enough to like actually be a guy that, that lines up on the line of scrimmage, like a traditional tight end. I just don't understand him at all. I have him rated in like the thirties for my tight ends. Like I just full to full avoid at all costs. I don't care. He has, what does he offer in a team full of guys that basically are built like tight ends at the tight end position when he's built like a wide receiver, they did the whole thing backwards. They did the whole thing backwards. Yeah, I completely agree with you on Burning Stool. Uh, another guy I wrote up for the guide, and he's just too light. He's like 6'6", six, six, I think he's like 215. Yeah, how, like you said, how is that any different than any of the other receivers they have on the roster? And, you know, when I was watching the spring game this year, he was operating out of the slot for the second team. So are they going to use him as a big slot? Are yeah, they just going to have what he is? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know exactly what his role is going to be. I don't think he can play in line. I don't think he's big enough. And I don't think, I mean, he's fine athletically, but you know, I, I don't see him being athletic enough to be a big slot. So I don't know what his role is. I'm very much out on him as well. Let's move on to Duke here, the next name on the list. Luckily, I think we can buy our, we can earn, get some extra time back here on Duke. Yeah. Um, we'll quarterback, I don't want to roster any of these guys. It, it's kind of a, a battle. I think, what is it, Riley Leonard? Is that the guy that I think is going to end up taking mm-hmm. this? Um, they have a couple of the names there as well. Just like, don't, don't do it. Um, running back, they have been fairly successful at running back recently. Um, 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 Mateo Durant. Wow. Space there. Gone. Jordan Waters, probably the likely fill-in. It's tough because that running back tends to do very well in out-of-conference, and then once they actually get matched up against good teams, do kind of get smashed, and the game script goes out the window. But he's a fun guy to have as kind of an end-of-the-bench in my spot, you know, flex-type guy for a couple weeks for you. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's somebody, if you're looking for, if you're at the very end of your C2C draft, you know, round 42 to 45, and you're looking for one more running back who could have some really nice weeks for you, you know, not somebody you're going to start every week. I think you can do worse than Jordan waters at that point. So I think he's rosterable. Um, I don't think I have him rostered anywhere at this point, um, but he is definitely on my watch list for every league that I'm in. So yeah, I, I think that, waters is an is the most interesting name on this team for sure yeah it's it's um it that and that's pretty much the only guy i want to roster on this team i mean calhoun is fine at wide receiver jalen calhoun uh probably going to be their their main guy there i'm interested i mean i don't know what the volume is going to look like i don't know if the quarterback play is going to be competent enough to make that a guy that again i would ever feel comfortable starting uh he had a really nice freshman year and there was like you know could he be like this guy that kind of does well by the advanced metrics gets taken like the fifth round and you kind of won for fantasy in the NFL, but I, he's just been so unproductive the past couple of years. Granted a large portion of that is just the off offense hasn't been very good, but 
he's not a guy where I just really want to roster him unless it's a pretty deep league at this point. And even then, you know, maybe I'm searching, just hoping taking backups on better offenses and hope that something happens there. Like I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. I, I don't really think we need to dive too deep in, in into that situation. Well, too late. I just did. Um, Florida state. Uh, Jordan Travis, a quarterback, the guy that we've talked about on the show at least once or twice. I'm a fairly decent fan of his. I think he's, he's underrated again, not a guy that I'm hoping for NFL success, but guys, let me tell you a little secret. Last offseason on this very show, we talked about these three guys as players that we thought had very little to no NFL upside, but that they were probably going to be very good CFF producers. Jaron Hall at BYU, Cameron Rising at Utah, and Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. And now all three of them have been in multiple, you know, way too early 2023 mock first round mock drafts. So follow the points you know, you, the, the uptick in value, I think will will follow. And, you know, do I actually think that Jaron Hall, Cameron Reiser and Hennon Hooker are going to go in the first round? No, but you can probably find someone in your league that wants to buy them like that. If you want to send them off, Travis kind of falls in that bucket for me. Like he got better as the year went on last year. He finished the year very strong. I don't think Florida state's going to be a very good team this year. I think they're going to have to throw a decent amount. They didn't, they kind of improved the wide receiver position. There's more bodies there now, at least I, and he can run. So this is a kid that I, I think is going to have a pretty nice year, even though Florida State will probably win like five or six games again. Sorry, Florida State fans. I think Florida State's a little bit better than that. Um, I think they're I think they'll be bull bound this year. Um, okay. So I do think they are a little bit better than that. I really do believe in in what Mike, in Mike Norvell. I think he's a good coach. I think that program was in shambles when he took it over. That there was no depth. There were no quarterback. There was no offensive skill players you wanted. There were, it was just a mess. And, you know, he did well at Memphis. I think if you give him time, I think he can turn this, this program around. I think he's on his way to do that. But like you said, they, they started slow last year and there was, you know, the Mackenzie Milton, uh, people were really hoping that he would win that job over Travis, but Travis was solid you know and he got better as the year went on and he has good tools so i do think he can be this year's jaron hall cam rising hendon hooker where they have the tools that some teams might be like this is interesting um and the draft community will overhype that and you'll hear us a little bit of buzz about that so i, I really like that call um, I have also been uh, warming up to Travis, and he's been climbing up my rankings as well. Um, so I, yeah, I do. I think he'll have a nice, a, a nice CFF year this year. Um, I feel like I'm going to get a really crappy call from Felix in the morning that I held out on the, the quarterback conversation now because he kept asking for names at the end, and I, uh, I, I was uh, nowhere to be found on that front. But yeah, I think Travis uh, can definitely kind of fall in that bucket for you. Running back. I know we're probably going to feel slightly differently on this because you're a big Toa Feely guy and you've always been a big Toa Feely guy. And I did like him as you know, when he was coming in uh, as well. Uh, Lawrence Toa Feely, third year running back now at Florida State, kind of a wildcat QB-ish kind of guy in, in high school, uh, four-star recruit there. Um, they have him and they have Treshawn Ward coming back. They, they've got to fill um, the, the starter shoes there. But but uh, Trey Benson, Benson is a is an intriguing name transferred over from Oregon. I've had a lot of discussions with uh, Riddler in our Discord about this. That we're, we are both on the Benson hype train. He apparently looked pretty good in spring. 
I think there is some upside here in a Norvell offense that traditionally has produced very strong running back play over the past, you know, a handful plus of years. Um, and he's a big, fast dude. Like, I, you can do a lot worse. Like, I would rather have his upside than, like, Garwo, who we think is probably going to run for, like, 850 yards this year. Like, I, Benson has a chance to hit 12, 1300 maybe. I don't know what the volume is going to look like. That's going to be the big thing. How heavily do they rotate those touches, or does Benson, Benson kind of take the job and make it his? Yeah, I think that's the big question is who handles that lead back role between Ward and Benson? Uh, it does sound like, like you said, like Benson uh, looked good in spring. He came over from Oregon. He was a pretty good recruit, if I remember correctly, but he just kind of battled some injuries. Assuming he stays healthy, I think he can have a nice year this year um, if he can seize the job from Ward. And like you said, Norvell does have a history of producing good running backs, even amongst committees. And that's where I think Toa Feely's role comes in is he'll, I, I see him more in the Antonio Gibson, um, Tony Pollard type of a role for the Mike Norvell offense rather than the um, Darrell Henderson type of a role. I think he's going to be the guy, I think, you know, he'll catch a lot of passes He's electric. Uh, he's very fast. You know, he, he can make some guys miss the. So I, I think that he and Benson can both coexist in that offense. Um, you know, it'll be tough to predict who to start which weeks, I think. But I think they can both have nice starting weeks. Now, I have dropped Toa Feely pretty significantly in my ranks um, because he just has not been able to gain weight. He just—he's still small. He's still sub two hundred. I think he's at like one ninety, so or one eighty five, one ninety range. I just that has been the biggest knock for me is that you know he hasn't put on the weight and taken the step forward like I thought he would. The Marcus um, Bowman syndrome is what we're gonna start calling that. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like this backfield. There's going to be some value here because nobody is really targeting any of these guys. Wide receiver kind of hinted at it earlier. I mean, it's just a, it's a bunch of like, I called it garbage in the thing. And I meant it more as like, they are every other team's rejects for the most part here. The guys they brought in, they brought in Johnny Wilson from ASU. Who's like the six, seven wide receiver or whatever. Not a fan. They bring in Micah Pittman who could not stay healthy at Oregon was a fan after year one can't really bring myself to do that anymore um they they had ontario wilson already there they had jakai douglas there they have malik mclean there true freshman we have very different feelings on malik mclean i don't think he's good i thought he would have been recruited over by now but florida state apparently can't recruit wide receiver worth crap so he does have that going for him i mean he's the presumptive one there but i don't again i don't know if that's a fantasy relevant guy i mean i, I know i just talked about how good i think jordan travis is but yeah i think that you're i like malik mclean um, you know, I've cooled on him a little bit, but I still do like him. And I think he will be the team's wide receiver one here. I think he's pretty significantly the most talented wide receiver on that team. And if Jordan Travis plays well, like we think he will. And if Florida state is in several negative game script situations and has to throw the ball, you know, I think he would have to have some nice production. So I am interested in McLean, but I do think, again, going back to Toa Feely in the running back position, I think that that's kind of where 
the his receiving value is what's the most interesting to me because this wide receiver room is is just not good outside of McLean. It, it's bad. It's a lot of different archetypes, but it's like the worst possible whatever of that archetype. It's just it's crazy. Uh, I, I'm not really really a, a big fan at all. It feels like the kind of offense where a bunch of guys have like 400 to 600 receiving yards, and no one has like you know a, an actual startable uh, season. And I don't see Debbie upside for any of these guys. I, I do you? Um, I could see it with McLean. Um, okay. I think he would need to take you know refine himself a little bit more. He, you know, he's a little bit more um, raw uh, when he was coming out. But see, I can excuse raw if you're like a plus athlete though, but he is not, <laughs> which is kind of the issue. Like all of these guys have like. Um, like it's like, what, what's that meme? It's from Moneyball, which is a movie that if you, oh. I freaking hate that movie. Um, yeah. but the scene where he's like, so like he, he, you know, he's like, we can probably get this guy for really cheap, but the bad part is like, he, he, uh, you know, only has a right arm or like, I don't know what the, but like, he can't hit against lefties at yeah, all. But it's yeah. so, but like, this is like, you know, like, yo, he, he's a, he's a prototype wide receiver at like six, four, you know, one ninety five. but he runs like a four, seven, like, all of them have this just awful issue that like you can't, this isn't money ball. It is not going to quite work like that. I think they're in some trouble. Um, tight end Cam McDonald. I know was a popular sleeper a little bit last year. I'm not really on that train. I don't think I even have him ranked. I have like four no. tight ends ranked and that seems about right. And he, he's not in that group. So unless you're in a deeper league that starts a bunch of tight ends and deeper rosters, I, I think that's an avoid for me. Uh, Georgia tech Colin. Um, we are lucky the ACC gives us a couple of these teams that just don't really have to talk too much about. Um, Jeff Sims probably the starter, but there is there are bodies behind him now. Like if he is if he does not get any better, um, then he's going to get benched for Zach Gibson who came in from Akron. Um, or I mean, it's probably not going to be the other the other two names. Like the, there's a freshman and a transfer, but. I, I like it. I, it's Fomachan actually is, the, is one of the other guys. It was at Clemson. Like it's a bunch of guys that are not good at football. I think even if you made a Frankenstein monster of these four quarterbacks, that quarterback position would still be below average for college football. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. I mean, I think Gibson and Sims are, are similar. Uh, oh, see, I think they're like different. Like Sims can't pass to save his life, but he rushes and Gibson is pretty accurate, but I don't really know what the rushing upside is. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, either way, I don't think this is an offense that we need to really target. Um, I, I do think Jeff Sims can provide some CFF value, you know, as long as he is starting, just because of his ability with his legs. And this off, the, this Georgia Tech team is going to be losing in a lot of uh, in a lot of games, so there's going to be a passing volume there, even if it's not efficient. And then with his upside with his legs. So he'll have some weeks for you. Running back. It's a whole new backfield. Jameer Gibbs, obviously gone to Alabama. Uh, Jamie Felix, Antonio Martin, young guys there. And then Dylan McDuffie came in from Buffalo and Hassan Hall came in from Louisville. Dante Smith, the, the lone incumbent. RCFF team projects him to be the fourth running back on the depth chart. The only running back here that I really want, I think, is maybe Antonio Martin who was a low four-star this year. I believe he was. He, he touched into four-star territory. I don't love his game. He's one of those guys that's kind of more straight line, but he is a, you know, like it has like a nice size for the, the position. And if Georgia Tech is going to become anything offensively over the next couple of years, you have to figure it probably centers somehow around him. 
Yeah, because I don't see Georgia Tech being able to recruit over him at unless all. Unless Nick Saban suddenly shows up there and builds a powerhouse program. Like I, I there's no way. I mean, can can Saban even build a powerhouse program at Georgia Tech? Don't give the man any ideas, Colin. That's true. I, don't think I mean, I would love to see it. I don't, I think the, team, the world's not ready for an undefeated Georgia Tech. Team. I think that'd be hilarious. But it would be. Yeah, I just this team is just it's not good. And I think this could be the end uh, of Jeff Collins. Yeah, I think that his name is firmly going to be in the hot seat if they have another three and nine year like they did last year. Um, but either way, whoever they bring in, I don't see them being able to recruit over Antonio Martin. So circling it back around. Yeah, I could see him having some value in 2023 and beyond. I think I recruited him in the program. And I'm kind of like, I was fine with that because Georgia is one of my states. Um, but like, I, I there's always somebody I want a little bit more in sub drafts. So like, he hasn't even been like a primo target for me. But if something's going to happen here, you got to figure it's him, um, even though he's probably further on the death chart. Uh, I don't care about the wide receiver position here. Like, nope. we're just not going to talk about it and same for tight end. We're just going to, we're going to move on because I don't think any of these quarterbacks or the team as a whole are good enough to uh, make anything work nope. there. Um, Louisville, Colin. This is a fun conversation. This is actually like as a person who roots for a team in the ACC who we have not talked about yet. Um, Louisville might be the team that I'm most excited or interested to talk about here with you this evening, because it feels like outside of Malik Cunningham, any selection that you're making from Louisville, because Cunningham, uh, we messed up a couple weeks ago. He this is his final year of eligibility. He has nothing left at quarterback there. The rest of this team, it feels like you're trying to figure out what the team is going to look like next year and tee it up based on that. For anybody that doesn't know, Louisville has a very strong recruiting class come in next year. They are very into the NIL game early here. They have some some deep pockets. They've got Pierce Clarkson, who's a top 10 quarterback in the class, was just at Elite 11. Um, very good player. We, we all really, really like him. Kind of a dual threat, but better pat like. Cunningham's like 60% or 70% like runner and 30% passer. He kind of has them flipped. Um, they have Ruben Owens, who's the top ranked running back in the class at the moment. They have um, uh, Moore, uh, DeAndre Moore, like a top 10, 12-ish wide receiver going there from, from California. Like they've got some guys coming in. So it's just kind of like a matter of like, how do those guys fit in with the pieces that are already here outside of Malik Cunningham? And do I want to like invest in this wide receiver group? and hope that Pierce Clarkson's really good and bumps them. Like that's kind of the dilemma that I'm running in with this roster right now. Yeah. I get what you're saying with it being, you know, how it's, it's the Malik Cunningham show. Uh, and then everybody else is going to struggle to produce um, outside of the tight end position, Marshawn Ford, but we can talk about that when we get there. Um, you know, you're kind of trying to figure out how this team is going to look post Malik Cunningham. Uh, the running back room is full of guys who I think are solid. You know, Jalen Mitchell is is solid. He's fine. They bring in transfer Tyon Evans um, from Tennessee, who was also at JUCO before that. He's fine. He's, he's you know, got some appeal to him. Uh, Trevion Cooley, a guy that we both liked coming in. I, I think he is, at the time, we were thinking they're never, they're not going to be able to recruit a running back better than Cooley. So, Cooley has some serious future upside there. Now they do bring in Ruben Owens, like you were saying. <laughs> we didn't necessarily see the NIL coming into play this way, yeah. but uh, I still believe in Cooley. Now the the problem is 
this is probably going to be a very frustrating committee. You're probably not going to want to start any of these guys at any point in time. And if, you know, Cooley can't break away from the pack of these other two guys, what does that Devi outlook look like? Um, so he's a guy that's been really tough for me to rank. Cause I like, yeah. And the funny thing is like him and him and Owens are like the same age almost like, yeah, like they're not that far. Owens is really, really old for his, his, uh, his year in the high school. So, um, the one name and you kind of just broke down the running back position. I'm not going to rehash that. The one name that's really interesting to me, cause he's like not a guy that I actually really believe in yet, but I'm just curious to see how he meshes with Pierce Clarkson. Assuming he comes in and gets that job next year is Amari Huggins, Bruce. And he's more, like I said, more of a Debbie selection at this point. Um, he's gotten some hype. He's a bigger guy. He's really athletic. Um, he's been in college for a couple of years already. So it's not like he's like a, you know, a second year guy. Like he will be eligible next year. Um, he's intriguing. He's intriguing. If they have like really good quarterback play there, can he be, can he raise his stock in that way? Like, I, I honestly don't know. Um, but, um, like he's, just, he's really, really fast. Like he's just under six feet. He's, he's fast. I, I don't, that, that's what I got on him. Yeah. And they do lose, uh, Tyler Harrell, um, to Alabama. So there is a position opening up there for him. I could see him having, you know, a decent year. Um, I don't know if I necessarily see it yet because I actually like a different guy who's there more than him uh, i like tyler hudson the transfer that they bring in from central arkansas fcs school uh he just racked up the accolades there he was the 2019 freshman of the year in his conference you know 2020 he was the you know wide receiver um of the year in his conference he was a preseason all uh it's the southland conference preseason all southland team um he's offensive player of the year there 2021 more along the same lines there racked up 167 passes 3000 yards 26 touchdowns he's 62 197 he's got good size you know i'd be lying if i said that i have actually watched him so i don't know what he looks like as a receiver in terms of you know what he really specializes in but on paper this is a guy who's really intriguing and you know i mean we'll see what he's a junior so, you know, we'll see what the QB room looks like next year with Clarkson, but I could see him leading that room next year. Yeah. So, I mean, I, again, it's an intriguing offense, but the more intriguing part is like what comes next year and kind of trying to figure out how it all, how it plays in, except for, again, like you said, uh, Malik Cunningham and Marshawn Ford, their tight end, who's produced every year. He's been there really, um, might be the main target there this year. So definitely a guy, if you're looking for some tight end production, uh, you can do a lot worse than Marshawn Ford. Absolutely. I mean, I think he is the biggest option on this offense in the passing game. He, I, I do think there's a really good chance that he leads this team. Uh, in terms of Devi upside, don't know if I really see any. He's kind of short, 6'2". Um, he's 240, so the weight's fine. But I think he's mostly just a, a CFF play, but I think he's a solid one. Next up here is Miami. Um some really good stuff happened in Miami. New coaching staff, you know, they, they are recruiting pretty hard. Um, some big questions, though, too, and I think they really still haven't answered them so far through this point in the, the 2023 recruiting cycle. I mean, uh, Tyler Van Dyke took over that job last year. 
it's his. I don't think we doubt that at all anymore. We had both advocated for Jake Garcia being the guy. Um, Van Dyke, I mean, we just talked about it on, on the quarterback show. Like, he's like a borderline top 10 guy in rankings. Could he be a first-round pick? Yeah, he could. Could he be like a late day two guy? Like, because the, the upside may be capped slightly. He's not much of a rusher. I, I don't really know. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I mean first of all, yeah, we got to say he had a fantastic year last year. Yeah, very efficient. Um, very efficient years. years. Yeah. yeah. Very efficient year last year. Um, in comes Josh Gaddis from Michigan uh, as the OC uh, with Mario Cristobal, the new head coach coming from Oregon. This is going to look different than it did last year. You know, we don't really know exactly what Josh Gaddis is in terms of it being an OC because I feel like John um, Jim Harbaugh had a, a big imprint on that offensive game plan. I think Mario Cristobal is going to want to be more conservative. So I do think Van Dyke's numbers will take a little bit of a dip in terms of just the sheer, you know, raw stats. I mean, I think he can maintain his efficiency, but I think the numbers will take a bit of a dip. And I don't know if he necessarily has the tools to be a first round quarterback. Day two feels a lot better for me. He's just, he's a fine option. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite there on him as a day one guy yet. And that means I probably miss out on him. Like I yeah. won't, I'm not going to take him at cost this year. It seems like fourth through sixth round, maybe even sometimes the third, he's when he creeps up into, that's just a little too rich uh, for my blood. I can get, um, you know, a Clay Millen or a Preston Stone, who I think could end up being that kind of player 10 to 15 rounds later. Um, should Jake Garcia transfer then is kind of the next question. I mean, there's some question, you know, if, if Van Dyke is good, he's probably gone after this year. He's probably gone to the NFL and then Garcia can take that job. Um, but he'll also be competing against, two very good freshmen coming in. You know, Jaden Rashada, who's a borderline five-star kid. Uh, Emery Williams, who was one of the elite 11. They have, they have two two very good quarterback prospects coming in this year. Gone? Just go somewhere else? I honestly, I think he should. Um, you know, Jaden Rashada, what did he get, like $9 million? Or or he took a pay cut from whatever he was going to get at Florida to go to Miami. But he's still getting millions of dollars and like you touched on on the um qb ranking summit that we did earlier today you know miami feels like a school that is going to be more where the nil drives the program than the program drives the nil i believe was how you phrased it so i do think that and especially given the you don't hear a lot about the names connected to nil collectives you hear one at miami john ruiz it feels like he's gonna have some power there um, so I could see Rashada starting as a true freshman, even if maybe he shouldn't. So yeah, I do think Jake Garcia should transfer. It'll be an interesting battle for sure. Um, I was looking at the running back list today. Like we, we really like Trevante citizen who's going in there this year. Uh, we, you know, we we're saying that he's probably the most talented back on the roster. And I don't necessarily doubt that. I think he's, if he's not, then he's pretty darn close, but there are a lot of bodies there. I'm, I'm getting a little more skeptical that, that he's really a, a much of a factor here in year one. You look at the, at the list of guys in front of him. He had Jalen Knighton, not a huge fan of Jalen Knighton. I think a lot of people are moving away from Jalen Knighton. He's a third down back basically, uh, and operated as more than that because everybody died last year for them at the running back position. You've got, uh, Cheney. And you've got Parrish, who came over from Ole Miss, who is not a bad back. Like I think that's going to be a tough rotation to crack, at least early for Citizen. This might be a wait for year two play. 
even though we've kind of been saying, well, maybe he can get his foot in the door there year one. Yeah, I still think it's possible that he gets his foot in the door year one, because I do think day one, he is the most talented back on this roster. Um, I like Citizen a lot. He's a little bit raw because he played linebacker and running back, and he didn't really commit to the running back position until his senior year. Um, But he's big. He's athletic. He catches the ball well. He looks natural doing it. I think he's a talented running back. And like you said, I think the other guys in the room are just fine. You know, I think he can coexist with Knighton if that's what they want to do, like a thunder and lightning role. Um, I think he's definitely more talented than Cheney. Parrish is the one that worries me a little bit because Parrish was brought in by this staff. Uh, they brought him over from Ole Miss. And I think Parrish is just good enough to hang on to that job. But I could see Citizen having a role and being the third leading rusher on that team this year and then really taking a step forward in 2023. It, it's it's going to be difficult. I, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I think as of today, Parrish is probably my favorite Like back to do something this mm-hmm. year. Um, RCFF team, I think, agrees with that. They have him listed, you know, as their top guy, but not like overwhelmingly, um, you know, hype on him. So um, I don't want to speak for all of them, but that seems to be the consensus amongst the group. Uh, Wide receiver, it's bad. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Restrepo might be the guy in the slot, but then it's a bunch of guys that basically either are, you know, a bunch of never were, never were, basically, never was is. I don't know what the plural that is. Frank Ladson transferred over from Clemson. He is what he is at this point. Keyshawn Smith. Third year on campus, hasn't broken out yet. Brashard Smith hit a lot of the year one zero thresholds, so some guys have, have kind of latched on to him, but it sounds like he struggled this spring. Like I don't I'm fine with not rostering any of these wide receivers at this point. Yeah, I don't have any of these wide receivers rostered at all. I'm not particularly interested in them. There were reports out of camp that they were dropping balls left and right. They did not look good. I'm actually kind of shocked that they did not bring in a transfer um, to bolster this room. So I'm pretty out on any of the wide receivers, which does impact my thought on Van Dyke a little bit as well. Yeah, if, if you think he's going to be really good, then I guess you got to buy somebody there. I'm just not yeah. really sure who I want to do that for. I mean, maybe you're buying the tight ends here. Elijah Royo, Will Mallory, Jaleel Skinner. It's probably one of the more talented tight end rooms in the country, even though I think both of us are a little lower on Skinner than, than consensus. Uh, Mallory, an older guy, and has been banged up this offseason. So is this the year we see Elijah Arroyo kind of break out? I don't know. It's like we've been waiting for forever. He was a true freshman last year. We really liked him, but he was he needed to bulk up a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm very high on, on Arroyo. Um, I He's my tight end six. Uh, I like him a lot. I think he's really talented. Um, and Will Mallory has struggled to stay healthy. Will Mallory is talented in his own right, but he is banged up again. Um, so I could see Elijah Arroyo being the tight end one in this offense this year. Uh, and we just talked about how poor the wide receivers are. The tight end room is good, though. So, you know, if it wouldn't surprise me if Arroyo leads this team in touchdowns this year. You know, maybe not receptions or yards, but I think he's going to have a role. I like him a lot. And then, like you say, we are both a little bit lower on Skinner. He's 210 pounds. That's so light. Now, we did talk about it. Somebody brought it up in the Discord where 
Uh, Noah Fant came in to college right around that 210, 215 mark. Evan Ingram came in right around that 210, 215 mark. So is there some hope for him? Yeah, there is. But at this point, you have to hope he gains a minimum of 30 pounds in college. And that's just a really tough sell for me, even though, you know, we have seen it twice uh, and fairly recently. But it's still a tough sell for me. Let's head up to North Carolina here. And we're going to cover um, uh, both schools, uh, you know, North Carolina and North Carolina State. Um, Chris's North Carolina State Wolfpack. Um Wide receiver room at North Carolina, legit. Again, we just talked about this on the the quarterback uh, preview that we did for the season ranking summit. They might, outside of like Bama and Ohio State, have the best wide or best quarterback room in the country. Sorry, between Drake May, who's probably going to be the starter, Jacoby Criswell, and true freshman Connor Harrell. Like they all look very good in the spring game. Now, granted, I did not get to say this on the call earlier. Granted, in spring they were playing against North Carolina's defense, so right. But they they all looked like they could they could lead that offense if something were to happen and they needed to. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a really talented room. Um, I think it was on yeah on that uh, show. You know, I think it was Chris maybe that said it, but these guys are all Power Five level quarterbacks and like pretty solidly Power Five level quarterbacks. Now, uh, Connor Harrell was a three star, I believe, and didn't have a ton of high offers, you know, but he was an Ivy league guy. So very smart. Um, you know, he's very accurate. He takes care of the ball. So I think, you know, like you said, he's good. Colby Chriswell and Drake may have been battling it out. Sounds like Drake may probably going to be the one to start. But again, on that you know, ranking summit, we talked about the quarterback room there. It does sound like this could be a multi QB type of a deal. They could use, may and chriswell and that's just kind of make things pretty frustrating and muddy until unless somebody can really seize that role talk about annoying um because i think if they just unleash drake may i think we would be happy with the results yes um running back room i know we've got we've got an insider here we've got brandon sanders mr at cff university lives down in the area follows the program closely talks to people there has been saying for months that the starting running back is going to be british brooks uh and now it sounds like british brooks is going to be the starting running back there ty chandler ish type upside for him perhaps this year the more interesting thing is going to be who's kind of going to be the guy that partners with him the staff there likes to have two different backs one a little more of a pass catcher think michael carter one a little more of a between the tackles guy. I think Javante Williams sounds like Brooks can be the Javante Petaway can maybe George Petaway, true freshman four-star kid that we had ranked very highly this off season, ranked very highly in our, our uh, freshman supplemental guide. Um, he can be the Michael Carter role. Cause he's really in honesty, the only guy on the roster that can play that role. The rest of those backs are all bigger backs. Yeah. I think that is what really helps to set Petaway apart is he's, like you said, the only one that has that type of a role. And that is something that they like to do. Um, that was, But that was why I was so bullish on Chandler last year was because they didn't have anybody who could play that role. And Ty Chandler is a solid receiving back. So he could do a little bit of both. Now that they have Petaway on the roster, uh, you know, assuming that he can get up to speed and, and grasp the offense and, and, you know, look good as a true freshman i don't see the same upside with brooks that i saw with chandler um it does sound like brooks is going to be the guy 
which I absolutely hate because I like Caleb Hood. Um, but it doesn't know. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Um, but I think it's just as good. This is just going to be a frustrating mash of running backs this year. And I don't, I don't, I'm not particularly in on any of them, uh, except like I said, Petaway. I, I like Brooks. I, I think Hampton not being there for spring hurts him a lot. Um, and hood. I, I don't, I mean, we liked him a lot last off season really was disappointing last year. We'll see, uh, if another year there, uh, you know, development. Well, he helped. was a, he was a true freshman last year and he was a, a quarterback in high school. So he's making a transition. Get out of here with your excuses. Um, wide receiver, Josh Downs is Josh Downs. We don't need to talk about that really. I think the big question for North Carolina is going to be, can somebody consistently step up and be the second guy there? The offense was really good two years ago when they had that. And it, it would allow, you know, them to, to be a, a, a more diverse offense last year was really Josh Downs and Ty Chandler. And if neither of those things are working, then Sam Howe had to go out there and basically kill himself uh, rushing way more than he ever should have been doing. So, you know, no Sam Howe anymore, but the quarterback situation, you know, some inexperienced kids, can they get a second guy there is going to be the big, big question. Yeah, that's definitely my big worry. And we saw Coffrey Brown fail and transfer out. Uh, and they don't really have anybody else there. Now, they, the thing is, though, they do bring in freshman Andre Green, um, four-star guy, you know, very athletic guy, big guy. So if he get can get on the field, I think he could complement Downs well. The problem is he's pretty raw as a receiver, and I don't think he's going to make the steps early enough in the season to make a difference this year. I mean, I think he'll earn some role, but I don't think it's going to be anything substantial. So he's more of a 2023 play, but at that point downs will be gone. Um, but I, another guy that's on the roster that, that I do like is Tyshawn Chapman. Uh, very fast, very, very fast. Uh, and I think he could fill the downs role when downs leaves. Um, but for this year, really just downs. Yeah. Yeah. Hard, a hard sell on either of the greens or anybody else. You know, one name that I think, has circulated a bit in our discord. And I, I, I see again, Riddler, one of the guys in our, our discord is coming from on this, a tight end is Bryson Nesbitt. He has some NFL bloodlines. He's big. He's like six, five, six, six, two thirty plus. Um, and he's a very good athlete. Some positive spring reports uh, out of camp. I've bumped him up a little bit in my rankings. Um, he's actually an, a nice guy. Cause I, I tend to punt tight end that I can get really, really late. And you hope that maybe he, he turns into something. Although I think, you're not taking him like in the the, the tenth round or something is like a, a huge hopeful because there's still a lot of question marks here. But just an interesting name, I think, to highlight. So shout out to Riddler and the guys in our Discord who passionately argued his case uh, before us. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of hype around Nisbet uh, Nisbet, especially in our in our Discord. There, he still would have to jump over Morales, who is the returning starter. I think he'll probably keep that job, but you know, Nesbitt could be a guy for the future there. Um, but yeah, big guy, NFL bloodline. So it's intriguing. Um, I'm just, there's other targets that I have at tight end. NC state. We talked about it a little bit earlier with Chris. Devin Leary is going to be the guy there. And I think we have talked about we really like Devin Leary at quarterback. We think that he could be a potential, you know, a guy the NFL ends up liking. 
He's not huge. He's like 6'1", 200-ish. Um, you know, he's not super athletic, but he's definitely uh, mobile in the pocket. Uh, he doesn't have like the best arm, but I think he does have a pretty good arm and and mechanically he's pretty sound. He's got a lot of things the NFL likes um, and he'll be a multi, multi-year starter there at this point. So I, you know, this is kind of his last year. He moves on and I don't think he's getting enough first round love. I think I would bet on him getting there over Jaron Hall or Hendon Hooker or insert other not very good quarterback here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that out of all of the options for the number three quarterback in the class next year, I mean, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, one, two, not really much of a debate there. Uh, I think out of all the other options, Leary is the one that intrigues me the most. You're going to hear people say he's Kenny Pickett, but he's not because he actually was productive last year. And he was productive in a short stint in 2020 before he had a pretty gruesome leg injury. So he's always been pretty solid. Uh, and I think this year is the year where he's really going to take a vault up. And if I'm putting money on a third quarterback, it's going to be on Leary. In, in the third quarterback going in the first round of the NFL draft, it's going to be Leary. Uh, and um, he finished QB 29, or no, maybe 23 last year in CFF. So you get yeah. production from that as yeah, well. He, they passed the ball a pretty good amount. They... They don't run a ton of plays, which is interesting. But um, but but yeah, they 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 pass the ball and uh, they really spread it around. Uh, running back, they do lose both of their running backs from last year, Bam Knight and Ricky Person, both gone. Jordan Houston's getting some buzz this year, and I understand it because somebody has to run the ball there. But I I'm sort of questioning how talented he truly is. I know in in, in pure CFF that doesn't necessarily matter. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Michael Allen either, though. The true freshman that comes in this year is a four-star, but I guess that's probably going to be the duo that gets the majority of the touches there. Do you see either of those guys kind of having a blow-up season? Are you, are you targeting uh, Allen or Houston? No, I'm not. Re- well, I'm not targeting Houston. I think he'll lead that backfield this year, but I'm not overly enthused by rostering him. He feels like a guy who... Yeah, I could probably get a couple of decent weeks out of him, but he's not anybody that I'm going to be like excited to start at any point. I just don't really see much of a Debbie future there for him. Michael Allen is is the more intriguing option. I do think he can, you know, if he can step up and make it a committee this year, he'll be the guy who takes over next year in an offense that'll be kind of searching for an identity, assuming Leary moves on to the NFL. Um, so I think Michael Allen is a very intriguing 2023 play for me. They lose a Mecca Mezzi, their leading receiver last year. They've got some guys that are like moderately talented, but I don't know that anybody there steps up and is really, you know, uber productive or a guy that, you know, by proxy I want on my teams. Devin Carter, Thayer Thomas, Porter Rooks, these are all guys that are names and they have some upside. I don't I I, I would seriously doubt that I, I have a single North Carolina state wide receiver rostered on any team. And I'll tell you the only pass catcher at all that I have is Trent Penix, who's probably their top tight end because I'm in this 2018 league where you have to start two tight ends. <laughs> and I waited till like the 30th round like an idiot and they were all gone. So I took Penix who's kind of like a hybrid, um, like Jalen Samuels type of guy, like fullback-ish slash uh, tight end. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a bad bet at, at the tight end position because they have some intriguing options at the wide receiver room. But like you said, this feels more like a room where they're going to spread it out and you're going to have guys get 
you know, between 400 and 600 yards and not really ever want to start anybody. But I could also see Trent Penix being in that group who gets between four and 600 yards, which is something that can be valuable in a tight end, especially if it's a 2018 start two tight ends. Cause at that point you're starting 56 tight ends. It's a that's, lot. that's a lot of tight ends. It's a lot. My tight ends are a joke. Um, <laughs> I waited a little too long. My targets kept leaving. I was like, well, I gotta just wait till the next round. And that um, ended up being one of the, the worst decisions I've made this offseason in any league. Let's head over to Pittsburgh. Um, I I am a Pitt fan. Uh, I did attend, so uh, I will try to be as non-biased as possible here, and I think I can. Uh, Keaton Slovis is our quarterback, and it makes me want to die a little bit every day. That's, <laughs> I, it's like the first thing I think of when I wake up, and it just like slap right in the face i like wake up and i'm like oh it's sunny outside i can hear birds chirping oh keaton slovis is our quarterback yeah i mean if you listen to the the quarterback ranking summit that we did earlier today i called uh alfred out for having slovis ranked at 18th in the quarterbacks and i had him ranked 110th and the only reason he's ranked is because i felt a little gross not ranking him um but he's like in the bottom five of, of quarterbacks uh, in my rankings. I have zero interest in rostering him. I do not think there's an NFL future there anymore, at least maybe not beyond holding a clipboard for five years. And I don't see the CFF production coming this year. They replace Mark Whipple, um, who was a fast-paced um, offensive coordinator. They ran the fifth most plays per game. Uh, they threw passed at the eighth highest neutral game pass script. And in comes Frank Signetti, uh, who, you know, he's he's been around. Um, he has some NFL experience. He was at Boston College. Um, but he is more of a uh, runner. You know, he's a little bit slower of a pace, a little bit more run heavy. And they do return all five starting offensive linemen, which helps to, you know, lean more towards the running game. Uh, and they bring Izzy Bonaconda in too, or I mean, Izzy Bonaconda is there too. And I think he'll probably be more of a focus of that offense. So I'm really, really out on Slovis. I don't see a point in rostering him. Yeah. I'm not even necessarily sure that he's better than Nick Patty would have been if he had to start this year. Who's the backup there. Um, Israel Bonaconda is the best running back on the roster. He's easily the most talented. This kid it has NFL size, you know, just, uh, just short of six foot, about 215 pounds. He's a very good athlete, had very good track times in high school. He's been easily just eyeballing this crap, the, the, the best running back on the roster over the past couple of years. And like, yet the staff has consistently decided they're going to heavily rotate the backs. I'm hoping a new offensive coordinator gets Izzy out there because if he can play you know, and get the bell cow 60 plus percent of the snaps. He can be a thousand yard guy and he can catch passes too. He's a very well-rounded guy. Like give him a chance and he can be a round three pick in the NFL draft when he comes out. I, I truly honestly believe that. Yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree. I'm on the Izzy Bonaconda train there. The big question is, is he going to get the volume to make it one worth it in CFF to start him ever? And two, to really showcase to the NFL what he can do. I mean, he's looked good in limited work, but it's been limited work. Uh, I, th I think he'll perform pretty well at the combine when he comes out. So that's going to help him as well. 
But if he is going to get into that round three, I think he's going to need to take control of this backfield and make it a little bit more of a one, two than a one, a one B. I think he can do that this year under Signetti. I'm pretty bullish on a Bonaconda. Yeah. So I I'm hopeful it sounds like the guy that's hyped this off season is another running back there on the roster. So I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, wide receiver depth chart. Luckily, they got Kanata Mumfield from Akron this offseason because uh, this is a deep depth chart, but he's still probably going to be leading it after Jordan Addison um, snaked out to USC. <laughs> um, Jared Wayne behind him. There's a couple other names on the roster as well. And again, I don't know if Slovis keeps any of these guys super, super fantasy relevant, although he ha- he did you know help some guys produce at USC. But I think this is actually kind of an avoid. I don't really love Mumfield in this situation with Slovis. And I don't love any of the guys really behind him either as like pure upside guys. So I'm actually kind of punting the the pit wide receiver position, which is a, a bummer. But it, it's a talented group, but no one that I think I really want uh, in this particular format. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Sorry, um, Mike and Mike Valeri and anybody else who's been really hyping up Kanata Mumfield. I, I think he's a talented wide receiver. I think he could be a better pro then he will be at Pitt. Again, I think this is going to be more of a run-heavy team. I don't really trust Slovis to throw the ball downfield that much. Um, so I'm avoiding Mumfield at cost. He's just going way too high. Um, I, I'm not not interested in him. I'm just not interested at that price. Tight end, they lose Lucas Kroll. Gavin Bartholomew steps up. I've dropped Bartholomew a little bit just because, again, I'm not sure what this offense is going to look like this year. And does he have a lead NFL upside? I'm not sure, although he is a big guy and he's fairly athletic. So, I mean, that's about the rundown I can give you on Bartholomew. I think he's definitely worth a roster spot in leagues, but he's not a guy that I'm like necessarily clamoring to go get, although I do, I do like him as a player. Yeah, I think Gavin Bartholomew is more of a of a Devi play, and you know it's it's a little bit difficult to predict tight ends for Devi purposes. But he's got good size; he's a pretty good athlete. He catches the ball well. Um, I could see him being fantasy relevant at the next level, even if he's maybe not startable for CFF. I mean, unless you're in your 2018 start two tight ends, then maybe. Oh, he definitely is in that league. He's he's a stud in that league. Um, <laughs> over to Syracuse, um, Garrett Schrader, locked in QB. We know we're going to get from him. He's not a great passer. He's a very good rusher. New offensive coordinator, yeah, new offensive coordinator in here. Uh, Robert Ine come over from Virginia. Maybe he can get him passing at a slightly higher level, but I wouldn't bet on that. I'm still going to bet on the majority of of Schrader's production coming on the ground. Uh, and was a guy that, as Felix Sharp likes to point out, was pretty inconsistent on a production basis last year. So I like him, and I, I think he'll do decently well this year, but he is slightly risky, I guess. Yeah, I definitely think there is some risk there. Just given the new coaching staff, um, or the new offensive coordinator there in Robert and I, now I think he is, I think he can perform well in a nice system, but he is not a very good passer and that could hamstring the offense. And now I don't know if they have anybody else on that roster right now that could step in and fill in for him. Um, Justin Lamson is hurt. 
uh, I can't remember exactly what it is, but he's going to be out for a while. Um, You know, I was interested in the other guy who transferred in from Michigan, but then Carlos Del Rio Wilson transferred in from Florida. That's an intriguing option. Um, So if Schrader struggles, you know, Del Rio Wilson's a guy that I do want to roster at the end of my bench, just in case Schrader struggles, because Robert and I runs a very good offense and it's an offense that you want pieces of particularly the quarterback for CFF. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. It's just uh, Schrader's just so limited. I mean, he just is what he is at this point. Um, definitely. I know we, we toss this around maybe a little too, uh, too often, but just no NFL upside there, yeah. uh, at least not a quarterback. Sean Tucker is really the only other piece I think worth talking about on this team, at least for now, until we have more answers about the passing game there, Tucker, I mean, Everyone knows who Sean Tucker is. Had a great year last year. We're sitting pretty high on on most rankings. I think the expectation is that he maybe takes a slight step back in production this year just because of the new coaching staff. Um, So, and then the the big question becomes, what's his NFL future? I think we've discussed this recently on the show. You want to give me like the abridged version real quick, and then we'll just move right on to the next team here on the list. Yeah, absolutely. So I do think Sean Tucker is once again going to be a good CFF option. Um, I think Robert and I is smart enough and a good enough offensive coordinator that he'll tailor his system a little bit more to the pieces that he has. And that's Sean Tucker. Um, in terms of NFL potential, I think Tucker's a solid athlete. Uh, I think he's a good running back. I just really question what his draft capital is going to be coming from Syracuse. Can he sneak into the back end of day two or is he more of a day three guy? I lean more on the day three side at this point, but uh, you know, it's not something that I, uh, I, that, that is what makes me lower on Tucker than most, but it's something that I'm willing to, um, adjust my take on as we get more information. Um, Virginia next up on the list here, Brian Armstrong. Just just want to highlight real quick, uh, in the receiving options, Courtney Jackson's a guy that I like, um, he's a returning starter. And if this offense does pass the ball, well, somebody has to catch it. I think it's going to be Jackson. He's a guy I've been snagging late in drafts. Very, very, very late. A nice stash option there for everybody. Then Um, Virginia, Brendan Armstrong is the biggest name on this list. I would say him, him or star receiver, Dontavian Wicks, very good year last year. Another guy that we think new offense coordinator, um, maybe not quite as strong of a year. I mean, QB two season last year, very, very difficult uh, uh, to follow up here. Um, but he does have weapons there. So, I mean, are you still kind of buying Brennan Armstrong? I th- NFL future, I think we're saying no, right? I think we we kind of know at this point, probably not. Yeah, I don't see much of an NFL future at this point. And I'm actually selling Brennan Armstrong. I am much lower on him than most. I mean, he threw the ball over 500 times last year. That's not going to happen under uh, Tony Elliott who came over from Clemson and an offense that didn't really throw the ball. They were slow paced. We're just not going to see the same volume there. He's going to have to make it up with the efficiency. Like you said, they have some nice receiving options. They bring back Dontavian Wicks. They get back Lavelle Davis, who's like six foot seven. He was an intriguing option. Uh, They have Billy Kemp, Malachi Fields, Kitoan Thompson. I don't know if I pronounced that right. So they have a lot of receiving options. So we could make up for the lack of volume and efficiency. I'm just not willing to bet on it. 
so you, his I mean, price tag. You just touched on a lot of the wide receiver options, so I won't go too far into them. I know some people are hyping Thompson up as kind of the Debo-ish player, and he does have that skill set, but he's a little stiff for me. I'm not a huge fan of his. Um, Wicks has his supporters as well. Uh, Malachi Fields is a very interesting name for the future there, assuming that they actually find a quarterback to come in after Armstrong is done there. Um, he's had some really nice reports this year, but it's going to be very hard for him to kind of crack this lineup unless they're running a lot of Thompson and Billy Kemp out of the backfield, which is a possibility. We'll, we'll see how many of these guys they want to get on the field together, but I, he won't be relevant this year, at least with not without some some major injuries here. Virginia Tech, the Hokies, um, new head coach, new starting quarterback, Grant Wells, comes over from Marshall had that big kind of start to his career there. And then ever since it's been kind of up and down, I mean, this is kind of a, a prove it year for him, I would think. And it's not great considering, you know, new staff and the wide receiver room slash running back room are really not super deep. Yeah. I think Grant Wells is an intriguing option. Um, you know, he looked good at Marshall and he had some really nice performances at Marshall. Uh, and I think if he looks good at Virginia tech, He's the type of guy who could get drafted. The problem is, like you said, this is a new staff. We don't know what this offense is going to look like. There's not a lot of skill talent there that excites you. So I'm not out on Grant Marshall, but I'm definitely lower on him than I was when he was at Marshall because I don't see a ton of CFF production coming. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. His best two receivers there are going to be Jaden Blue, who I think people have kind of forgotten about. Was pretty solid there early at Temple, but they've just, their quarterback play has been atrocious. So he he's a forgotten guy transferring in. And I kind of like their other, Caleb Smith and Dwayne Lofton as well. Like, they're, they're not stars, but I think they're both decent players. And if this offense throws the ball, like, a lot, which I'm not sure if they actually will or not, um... They're two guys that I think could actually end up like being rosterable, but I, I'm comfortable. Maybe like in the 2018, where I have Caleb Smith on my team, and that's and he he's he might be like a flex guy for me some weeks, but like these aren't guys in a normal 12 team, 45 man roster that I want to have on my team. I do have Dwayne Lofton in a couple of places because I took him super super late last year as a yeah. freshman, and he's he's electric. I mean, he's boogie, I just. Boogie, boogie, boogie. He's a really good athlete. Um, so he's an intriguing name to me, but I'm more just hanging on to him because I didn't want to cut him. I'm probably not drafting him. There's probably more people that I would want to draft over him, but there's some intrigue. Um, last team, I think we finally made it. And Malachi Nelson is probably, or Malachi Thomas is probably mm -hmm. their top running back. And we were kind of all over him last year, but I'm not sure if he's a guy that I'm like heavily targeting at this point. Um, Wake Forest guys, final team here in the ACC. Um, Sam Hartman is going to be it. I mean, the ACC was loaded at these top quarterback options last year for fantasy. He'll be there again. I hesitate when people say that he has no NFL upside. Cause you know, he, he's, he has some pretty decent pedigree coming out of high school. He was, he was pretty highly thought of. Um, and once he got this job, he's kind of taken it to be his own, but this, this, this offense is so RPO and mesh, like long mesh heavy that it's just hard to project him to the NFL. It's almost like the Grayson McCall thing at coastal where it's just the, uh, the offense is so weird that like NFL teams are not going to be able to sit down and be like, that is translatable, uh, for a lot of what he does. Yeah. I think that's the big problem with Hartman. Like you said, he had a pretty solid pedigree coming out. He has some tools, 
but the offense is so gimmicky that it's hard to project him to the next level. Um, I do think he's going to have a really nice year again this year um, for CFF purposes. You know, they were fourth in, in uh, plays per game last year, so they ran a lot of plays. They passed the ball a lot, 26th in neutral game pass script. So, you know, it, it's it's setting up for a lot of success on the CFF side. And I think he'll get drafted just based on the tools and the performances that he's been putting up. But I don't know what the long-term future is for him in the NFL. I agree with that. But I think just saying cavalierly that there's nothing there is, um, you know, at, at your own peril. Um, okay. Running back, it's it's not a strong room. But DeMont Claiborne's a guy that you kind of need to watch out for there. We have him in our CFF guide as one of the potential impact uh, 50 freshmen this year. Smaller back, um, but was rated pretty highly by the services. Uh, 24-7 had him in like their top 10. Um, so I just, just a name to monitor there. Maybe a stash, but... It's just still he's kind of tiny, so we'll see uh, what that offense looks like moving forward. The wide receiver room is is kind of the other big part of this team for obvious reasons. At Perry, I mean, he's really. I have two questions for you about this group, Colin. The first one's At Perry. We know that if he's healthy this year, he's going to be a top CFF option. Is there legitimate Devi upside? I think the community is very split on this. I lean no. I think he's not an NFL quality receiver, or at least not like he's like the fourth guy on your roster. Yeah, I don't think he is going to be somebody that I will roster on the NFL side. I don't think he's going to be somebody I'll target in dynasty drafts. So I don't think he's has great hands. He's just kind of big. Um, you know, I, I do think he's going to put up good enough numbers. And, you know, he's got the size and he's got some athleticism there, too, where I could see him being a, a round three draft pick. Um so that wouldn't surprise me at all. And then you're going to have people talking, talking him up and hyping him up, but I don't necessarily see it there with him. I'm much, much more interested in terms of CFF. The other question I have for you real quick, and then we're going to get out of here. Donovan green coming back this year, missed all of last year with the, with an injury. Um, we thought he could be one of their leading receivers last year. Does he, can he come back and kind of regain that role? You know, AT Perry, had a very good year last year with their wide receiver too, essentially him and Corey Roberson. Can can Green create another dynamic duo there for them? Yeah, I absolutely believe that. Um, there's more than enough volume to go around in this offense. We saw it with Roberson. We saw it with Perry last year. I think it's just going to shift to Perry and Green. I do think Perry's the one you want. I think Perry's going to be the wide receiver one there, but Green can be a very productive wide receiver too in this offense and give you some really nice weeks. Yeah, and I'm stashing Wesley Grimes everywhere too. He's probably the next guy up there. Um, so so be on the lookout for him. That's it for the ACC guys. Whew, we did it. It's one of our Oof. longer shows in a while. It is now almost one a.m. here. Yeah. Um, let's just stay up all night, Colin. Let's do it. Let's, Why not? Just, just roll into the Big Ten. Yeah. Just bang them all out right now. <laughs> Think how much time saving we do down the line. No. Um, that's all for this week, guys. Again, if you haven't checked out the guides at campus2canton.com, our Debbie guide, our CFF guide, our freshman supplemental guide, go check all of those out. Um, sign up for the website, guys. Be a member. We just announced this week we've got DFS content. We hired a DFS team here. Uh, two really sharp guys, Ethan Sowers and Chris K. We're very excited to have both of them. There will be some weekly shows, uh, articles, uh, all sorts of different content for that as well. That's only available for the NIL members at the site, $7.99 a month or $79.99 a year. Um, until 
next week though guys i'll be on vacation so colin you're gonna be holding this thing down with some some guests i think i've heard uh the potential list sounds like a good one so you guys will be in good hands um more for the guests than than me yeah there we go so until two weeks from now guys i'm austin and this is colin and have a good one